uh, I think most people in evangelicalism, when they see a squirrel, thinks of Gene Clyde. It's really strange when you think about it. Decidedly Christian, distinctly biblical, and just a little bit nuts. This is Squirrel Chatter. And welcome to the Piney Woods, ladies and gentlemen. I am your squirrel, the host, coming to you from the ARN studios, high atop the tallest tree in the Piney Woods. It is good to have you with us. It is Friday. So we are heading into the weekend. We got church coming up on Sunday. Uh, I thought about opening the show by saying, it's Friday. Do you know where your church is? Find one. Be there on Sunday. Um, and yes, I still have not got the Christmas tree up. At least we have the Christmas squirrel back there. But uh, I found the box. It's here on the floor. I just have not unpacked it yet and set it up. i got to figure out where I'm going to put that lamp. <laughs> well, the, let me just put it up here, high up on the shelf out of the way. And uh, we'll, we'll figure it out, maybe up on high, top of one of these bookcases. We'll, we'll find a place for it. But it's kind of annoying because the, the cord runs behind the bookcase here, and, and it's going to be difficult to get out and all of that. So, you know, there's convenience and inconvenience. and But I will have it done by Monday, so at least the last week of the Christmas season, we will have a Christmas tree in the background. And as I'm pre-recording the shows for for the week after Christmas, the Christmas tree will be in the background for those as well. So, so it, it is coming. I have promised you the Christmas tree. I will have it up this weekend so that it will be there Monday morning. I will probably get it up today. I was going to do it yesterday, but I was just wiped out yesterday. I uh, Yesterday was the last prayer meeting of the semester and for that prayer meeting of course it's at 6 30 central time which makes it 5 30 my time so on thursdays my alarm goes off at 4 30 that's so i can get up get a shower have some coffee be awake before i have to meet with people i'm not a morning person and i need an hour before I have to be public with anyone. Mm. Good coffee. Most days I get up at 6, so it's not that big of a deal, but to get up at 4.30 is, is rough. So yesterday I was really tired, and then last night, on Thursday nights, I've been teaching through Ephesians, and so we were starting Ephesians 3 last night, and... Uh, so I had to, to finish my prep, and then I took a nap in the afternoon before teaching. I also drank two pots of coffee yesterday, finishing my second pot of coffee late in the afternoon. Uh, matter of fact, I had the, the last coffee out of my thermos with dinner, which is way too late for me. When I was a kid, I used to be able to drink coffee right up until bedtime and sleep fine. But uh, anymore, i got to stop drinking coffee about 2 o'clock. Otherwise, I'm going to have a real rough night's sleep, which indeed, last night, I was awake from about 3 to 5, and then, of course, the alarm goes off at 6. I'm actually feeling okay, but uh, I'm not going to be okay <laughs> in a few hours. 
luckily there's not much on the schedule today. I had uh, I have some stuff to do today, but none of it is time sensitive, and so I'm I'm good there. And uh, this weekend I've got a fun weekend coming up. After church on Sunday, I get to drive the high school superior lady bobcat team into Missoula to watch the University of Montana's Lady Grizz play. So I am looking forward to that. Get to go to a Lady Grizz game and and cheer on the Lady Grizz. Get to hang out with my Lady Cats. Just, just going to be a great day. I'm looking forward to that. Coach says we're having dinner at Five Guys, so I'll get an excellent burger in there. And his note said he's buying dinner. So, hey, there you go. I will let him buy me a burger. And we will enjoy that. And we will enjoy the Lady Grizz game. But that's all after church. And again, this comes back to the fact that I am not a Sabbatarian. Um, been seeing discussion online. I think it's related to the church on Christmas Day discussion. And the covenantalist position has long been that Sunday is the Christian Sabbath. And that is the position taken by the Westminster Confession of Faith. That's the position taken by the 1689 London Baptist Confession of Faith. That has historically been the church's position that the Sabbath for Israel was Saturday, but the Sabbath day for the church is Sunday. And all of the Sabbath regulations given to Israel should be in effect on Sundays, um, including the one about, I guess, don't kindle a fire on Sunday, which is amazing because you you every time the cylinder in your car fires, you're kindling a fire, which means that you break the Sabbath rules hundreds of times, if not thousands of times, driving to church, multiple thousands of times. You know, if your car is, is running it at 2,000 RPM, you're breaking it 2,000 times a minute. Um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but my position on the Sabbath is that the Sabbath was, is the one commandment of the Ten Commandments that is not repeated in the New Testament. And when you understand the structure of a covenant in the ancient world. The stipulations of a covenant always contained the sign of the covenant. The sign of the covenant being primarily a, a symbol which indicated that you were in obedience to the covenant. It's, it's kind of like, and, and Van Halen used to get a lot of flack for this, and I used to think it was weird. I used to think it was just, you know, a, a band that was so full of themselves that they had to ask for weird things. Until I, under, I read an interview with uh, Eddie Van Halen who explained why they did it. And once he explained why he did it, it was like, oh, this isn't an ego trip. This is actually pretty clever. In... 
the contract that Van Halen had with the arenas where they performed, the contract specified, buried deep within the contract, that the band required a bowl of blue M&Ms in their dressing room. Nothing but blue M&Ms. And that would, of course, take special effort by the arena to either pick out all the blue M&Ms and put them in a bowl, or more likely contact M&M Mars and order just blue M&Ms, which I'm sure if you're a big 100,000-person arena, you probably have the pull to do. And so, but the, the reason was, when Van Halen got to the arena and got in their dressing room, if they saw the blue M&Ms, that was a sign to them that the arena had taken the contract seriously, which meant that all of the safety stuff that was specified in the contract was most likely taken care of as well. And they, I'm sure they would still check it, but they didn't have to be worried about it. If they got there and the blue M&Ms weren't there, then they would know that the contract was not carefully read and they would double and triple check all the safety stuff so that they would be safe during their performance. And so that that's kind of the, the purpose of the sign of a covenant. It was a sign that you were going to be obedient to the covenant. The sign of the Abrahamic covenant is circumcision. The sign of the Noahic covenant is the rainbow, which is God reminding us that he's not going to flood the earth again. And notice in the language in Genesis 9, it says, God will see the rainbow and remember. It's not so much that it's reminding us, it's, it says it's reminding God. That's the purpose of a sign. So the Sabbath day, the day of rest on which no work was to be done, Scripture explicitly says was a sign between God and Israel. It was a sign between God and Israel that it was to remind them that they were to be obedient. So every week, once a week, they didn't work as a reminder to be obedient the other six days. Now, the Sabbath is also representative of our rest in the finished work of Christ. And that's what the writer of the Hebrews is saying when he says there still remains a Sabbath rest for God's people. The word Sabbath just means rest. It's not even referring to the day of the week. And there were more Sabbaths in the Old Testament than just the weekly Sabbath. The first and last days of many of the feasts, which were related to days of the month, not days of the week, were always a Sabbath. 
So the, the Sabbath day, or the weekly Sabbath, and the festival Sabbaths were given to Israel. And Romans 14 explicitly says that, you know, if you don't consider one day above another, but you consider every day alike, this is not a sin. Because the Sabbath commandment in regards to a day is not given to the church. So Sunday is not the Christian Sabbath. It is, however, the day on which the church meets. Sunday commemorates the resurrection. It, it, every Sunday is a miniature Easter, if you want to think of it that way. You have a big Easter once a year when you celebrate the, the resurrection, but every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection. And so, but it's not a day <clears throat> where no work is commanded. So I have no problem if you have to work on Sunday. That's why, you know, there are recordings of the sermons. That's why there are different there ought to be different services during the week. I have no problem with a church. You know, I, I get, I'm always a Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night person. If you have to work Sunday morning, go Sunday night. <laughs> if you have to work on Sunday, go on Wednesday. But gather with the church once a week. Um, I honestly would have no problem with the... Um, doing like the, the old Book of Common Prayer does, where you have, um, you know, morning and evening prayer every day. I wouldn't mind seeing the church open every morning and every evening for a short service where people can start and end their days in worship to God. I mean, that's, that's a Psalm 1 lifestyle, right? He delights in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree planted beside streams of water, bearing his fruit in season. That's the kind of life we want to live as people of God, right? So I have no problem with, you know, morning and evening services, and uh, every day. And yes, that was patterned by the the church and and you know, on the ancient Israel morning and evening sacrifices. But, I mean, we have that pattern throughout Scripture. Um, and no, there's not a commandment. There was a commandment to the temple, the tabernacle, and later to the temple, that they would have, um, that they would have morning and evening sacrifices at specific times of the day, and how many rams and bulls and goats and, and pigeons and how much grain and how much oil and everything was all specified, laid out with great specificity in the scripture. There is no command like that given to the church. None. Is it a good idea? Yeah, I think so. I would have no problem with it at all. Morning and evening services every day gathering with the saints every day that you're able um, just to, to sing praises and pray and then move forward into your day and then to end your day with prayer and thanksgiving. Um, 
in scripture reading. And, you know, you mean, you don't have to have a sermon every day. Um, but, you know, some scripture reading, some songs, some prayer gathered together as a church would be awesome. That would just be awesome. And, and sadly, most even most of the Bible-believing Anglican churches I know no longer do the morning and evening prayer services daily. Um, I would, I would kind of, you know, I, I actually thought there's an ACNA church in Missoula. And I thought, you know, it'd be fun one morning just to go to go in and go to morning prayer. So I checked their website and they don't do it. You know, so it's not a daily activity. And that is, that's sad to me. Because that was certainly laid out in the, in the Book of Common Prayer was morning and evening prayer. And, and I, I just like that idea. Now, and I say, I mean, you don't have to have a big production number. That's part of the problem with church these days. And we're getting, getting our topic out of the way before we get to our Bible reading today. Um, just cause I got started on it. Part of the problem with the churches today is everything's a big production number. You have to have a praise team. They have to practice the songs during the week, and they have to sing the songs during the week. The Book of Common Prayer has what are known as canticles in it. And there were, I don't know how many, I'm not an expert on musical forms, but if you read the prayer service, there were three or four um, psalms set to meter that would be sung. And I think there are probably maybe eight or ten tunes that they would be sung to. So you, you would sing the same psalms several times a week to different tunes which kind of broke it up and, and took care of the, the monotony of it. And every service, those were these the psalms. There were psalms that were read and there were psalms that were sung. And they didn't do, you know, they didn't have hymnals at, the, at that time. You only had to learn, most of the people were illiterate. So this was a case of teaching them you know, a few dozen songs that would be sung repeatedly throughout the year. And it was not a big production. There was no instruments in most country churches. You would have the people singing a cappella the songs that they knew. And this was part of the morning and evening prayer service. And, of course, when you look at, you know, even song services and the rich tradition of music in the English church, and, again, the English church is the um, lineage from which the American Baptist church comes. And, and in a lot of ways, I think we have stepped too far away from our roots. There's a lot of good things in that old liturgy. 
not in a requirement setting, but in patterns and in ideas for our worship service. Um, so like I guess the older I've gotten, the more liturgical I've gotten in my services. So, you know, we need to meet, and but Sunday is not a Sabbath day with all the regulations that were instituted over Israel for the Sabbath. So it, it is an important day of the week. Um, I have no problem with calling it the Lord's Day. I think Scripture does that. Um, the only time I think it's used is in Revelation by John in the first chapter where he says that he was in the Spirit in the Lord's Day. Um, but, uh, you know, I mean, it's it's a perfectly good day to, to commemorate the resurrection of our Lord and gather together with the saints to worship. And that has been the Christian tradition for hundreds and hundreds of years. But, no day in Scripture has been specifically commanded to the church to worship. Even Christmas and Easter are not mentioned as days when the church must gather. Now, I'm not saying that by saying I think you should cancel church on Sunday because it's Christmas in two weeks. I'm not saying that at all. Go to church. Churches should be open, and church members should be there. And I mean, when I'm out of town, I look for a church to visit. And often when I'm visiting a church, I'm picking up ideas, good or bad. Oh, we don't want to do that. Or, hey, that's a great idea. I'd like to see that instituted. I have visited... Grace Bible Church in Conway a couple of times when I've been down in Conway for seminary classes. And that is the the church that that uh, sponsors the seminary. It's the Dr. Johnson is the president of the seminary. He's also pastor of Grace Bible. And I visited Grace when I've been down there. And I love the pattern of worship that they have. They have in the main sanctuary a half-hour Bible study led by one of the elders. And they were completely different studies by completely different elders the two times I was there. And and just, you know, good stuff. One, one time they were going through the 1689, but they must have finished that before I got back because the next time I was down there, it was something completely different with a different elder leading the class. But that is followed by a 30-minute prayer meeting where there is a prayer focus, public, and it's, it's always a prayer meeting, as, as Dr. Johnson says, because we, we talked about this in our ecclesiology class. He said, this is not a time to pray about grandma's surgery. He says, praying about grandma's surgery is important. And they do that in their small groups and their small Bible studies that meet during the week. That's when you have 10, 15, 20 people 
gathered together to study the Bible where everybody knows each other intimately. And at that point, you can pray for grandma's surgery and Uncle Ben's salvation and these specific daily needs, which are, you know, give us this day our daily bread. I mean, we, we pray for our daily needs and we are told to. But the prayer meeting that they have every Sunday morning is focused on the ministry of the church and the ministry of missionaries that the church supports. And they'll have a specific emphasis for that week. I've actually got a um, one of the things here, and it says the uh, prayer, or is it missionary prayer? This week we're praying for this family in Thailand, gives their names, and says they're planning a church in Thailand. Thailand has a population of about 70 million people, 85% Buddhist. Only one half of 1% of the population professes Christ. Missionaries have been working in Thailand for 400 years, but progress has been slow. So the missionary requests that the church in Conway pray for the church in Thailand, that they will be faithful witnesses both in word and deed, pray that they will proclaim God's truth and that that proclamation will bear much fruit among the Thai people and pray that God will save many more souls in Thailand. So that was the focus of the prayer that day. And it was begun by an elder and then the room is quiet and everybody's bowing their head and there were a couple of men with microphones and someone would start praying and they would go over with a microphone and, and everybody would hear the prayer. But this was the focus of the prayer. And this would go on for about 30 minutes. And the, the place is packed. The place is packed. There are people in there from the time the Bible study starts until church ends. The place is packed. And they're praying for the church. They're praying for the ministry of the church. They're praying for the ministry of the missionaries. And so this prayer would would go through. And like I said, everybody's got the bulletin. Everybody knows what the, the prayer, prayer focus that day is. And when they're done, another elder will close the meeting in prayer. And all of the prayer is focused on the ministry of the church and the ministry of the church's ministry, missionaries. And then there's a break when everybody gets up, goes to the bathroom, gets some coffee, visits for about 15 minutes. Then the, the church service starts and you sing hymns and there's more prayer and you get a sermon and that's the, that's the service. I love that prayer meeting. Absolutely love it. And... I mean, it's just, it's just a, what a great way to, and then there was a, you know, pastoral prayer during the service. Um, just, just a praying church. And you wonder why God's blessing that ministry. Um, you know, Dr. Johnson is a friend of mine, uh, and, and we, we have had some fun times and some laughs together. And I greatly appreciate his ministry. And I know that we have theological differences. 
I am premillennial. He is amillennial. I am dispensational. He is covenantal. But I love the man, and I love his ministry. And even with those doctrinal differences, I would happily worship there. If I lived in Conway, I would be at that church, and I would not be looking for another church. Even though we have doctrinal differences. Because that's a church that loves God, loves his word, is in prayer, and is proclaiming the gospel faithfully. That's what you look for in a church. Um, now, there are churches I would never join because of doctrinal differences. But those doctrinal differences are mainly in ecclesiology and philosophy of ministry and differences in the actual gospel, which is a completely different thing. Those are primary things. Like, I mean, I could never attend a woke church because they're distorting the gospel. Um, I was listening to a, to a, a podcast this morning when I was in the shower and it's the, um, every, every Thursday, three of, uh, my Bible believing Anglican friends have a podcast called stand firm and it's JD Coke and Matt Kennedy. And I'm racking my head trying to think of the third, third minister that, uh, they get together and, and it's just a round table discussion. They're all over the country. I think one's in New York, one's in, in Kentucky, one's in, in South Carolina. So they're getting together electronically and having this discussion and they record it. Occasionally when women's ministry issues are in focus, they'll be joined by one or more of their wives. And, and it's just a great, great roundtable discussion podcast. But listening this morning, they were talking about something that I had never thought about. Yeah, we're going to get to the scripture reading. <laughs> we're messing everything up. It's Friday. Just go with it. One of the things they mentioned this morning that I had not considered, um, or at least not th thought of in these words, these terms, liberal Christianity, and by liberal Christianity, I, I, I'm not referring to uh, free Christians, I'm referring to uh, the liberal theology that denies the Bible and denies the gospel, denies the deity of Christ. It shouldn't be called Christianity, but it's a, the, a, a liberal religion that has come out of Christianity. And this includes modern wokeness. So this starts with the, so, uh, the uh, uh, social gospel movement in the early 20th century and the social justice movement today is the exact same thing. The social gospel movement was poor people are oppressed by rich people and we have to do everything we can to lift poor people out of poverty. And that is, became the focus of the church. And so, you know, rescue missions and, and soup kitchens became ministries of the church to help the poor. And that was more important than the Bible and theology. Today, it's social justice instead of social gospel. And the social justice movement is that minorities are being oppressed by majorities and whiteness is evil. And, you know, but we need to focus on, uh, on 
lifting the discriminated up from their 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 position of subjugation, and and we need to subjugate the subjugators, and it's, but it's the same same thing. The parallels are are striking. But what what my Anglican friend said this morning was that liberal Christianity is focused entirely on the here and now with a complete denial of sin and judgment and heaven and hell. They're not living for eternity. They're trying to make today more comfortable with no thought for eternity. And so that is, you know, I, that was just something that I hadn't hadn't. They're 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 looking on earthly things to the exclusion of heavenly things. It's a human focused belief set and a human focused practicum set, and it's clear. That's what we see. They're not worshiping God. They're worshiping people, and they're spending their time and their efforts to protect people and help people. All right, let's get into our time in the Word. Before we begin, I want to remind you that Squirrel Chatter is a proud member of the Christian Podcast Community. Head on over to christianpodcastcommunity.org.com, strivingforeternity.org slash podcasts. There's many ways to get there that will redirect you to the community Christian Podcast Community website, where you will find Squirrel Chatter and many other solid Christian podcasts. My Anglican friends are not on the Christian podcast community. That would be cool if they were, but they're not. All right. Today's scripture reading, as we continue to move our way through the Legacy Standard Bible Translation, we have two weeks left in the year after today. Two more weeks. And we will have read through the entire Bible in the Legacy Standard Bible Translation together this year. You know, if you've been with me the whole year for this read-through, and that, that even if you've gone back and, and listened later, would you drop me a line at squirrelchatter at protonmail.com? I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to hear how your, how your read-through of the Bible went, whether it's the first time you've read through the Bible or not. I've had several people drop me messages on social media thanking me for doing this because it's gotten them through the Bible which is something that they have struggled with in the past, and I understand that. It can be a struggle. A lot of Bible reading plans bog down in Leviticus and Numbers, which is not very far into the, into the calendar year. But, um, so, you know, a commitment to reading through the Bible. If you've been with us the whole time, would you drop me a note, squirrelchatter at protonmail.com, because I, I'm very interested in hearing from you. All right, our scripture today is Job 8 through 11 and Revelation 12. Now, oh, we're already over half an hour into the podcast. Let us go now, as is our practice, to the prayer of confession from the 1552 Book of Common Prayer. Almighty and most merciful Father, we have erred and strayed from thy ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against thy holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done, and we have done those things which we ought not to have done, and there is no health in us. But thou, O Lord, have mercy upon us, miserable offenders. 
Spare thou them, O God, which confess their faults. Restore thou them that are penitent, according to thy promises declared unto mankind in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O most merciful Father, for his sake, that we may hereafter live a godly, righteous, and sober life to the glory of thy holy name. Amen. And now our prayer for the reading of the word. Blessed Lord, who hast caused all holy scriptures to be written for our learning, grant that we may in such wise hear them, read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that by patience and comfort of thy holy word we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which thou hast given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. All right. Job chapter 8. Then Bildad the Shuhite answered and said, How long will you say these things, and the words of your mouth be a mighty wind? Does God pervert justice, or does the Almighty pervert what is right? If your sons sinned against him, then he sent them into the power of their transgression. If you would seek God earnestly and plead for the grace of the Almighty, if you are pure and upright, Indeed, now he would rouse himself for you and make your righteousness righteous abode in peace. Though your beginning was insignificant, yet your end will increase greatly. Please ask of past generations and establish the things searched out by the fathers. For we are only of yesterday and know nothing, because our days on earth are but a shadow. Will they not instruct you and tell you and bring forth words from their hearts? Can the papyrus grow up without a marsh? Can the rushes grow without water? While it is still green and not cut down, yet it dries up before any other plant. So are the paths of all who forget God, and the hope of the godless will perish, whose confidence is fragile and whose trust is a spider's web. He relies on his house, but it does not stand. He holds fast to it, but it is not established. He thrives before the sun, and his shoots go forth over his garden. His roots wrap around a rock pile. He looks upon a house of stones. If he swallows him up from his place, then it will deny him, saying, I never saw you. Behold, this is the joy of his way, and out of the dust others will spring. Behold, God will not reject a blameless man, nor will he strengthen the hand of the evildoers. Yet he will yet fill your mouth with laughter, and your lips with shouting. Those who hate you will be clothed with shame, and the tent of the wicked will be no longer. Chapter 9 Then Job answered and said, In truth I know this is so. But how can a man be in the right before God? If one desired to contend with him, he could not answer him once in a thousand times. Wise in heart and mighty in power, who has stiffened his neck against him and been at peace? God is the one who removes the mountains, they know not how, when he overturns them in his anger, the one who shakes the earth out of its place and its pillars tremble, the one who says for the sun not to shine and sets his seal upon the stars, who alone stretches out the heavens and tramples down the waves of the sea, who makes the bear Orion and the Pleiades and the chambers of the south who does great things, unsearchable and wondrous works, innumerable. Were he to sweep by me, I would not see him. Were he to move past me, I would not perceive him. Were he to snatch away, who could turn him back? Who could say to him, what are you doing? God will not turn back his anger, 
Beneath him crouched the helpers of Rahab. How then can I answer him and choose my words before him? For though I were right, I could not answer. I would have to plead for the grace of my judge. If I called and he answered, I could not believe that he was giving ear to my voice. For he bruises me with a tempest and multiplies my wounds without cause. He will not allow me to get my breath, but saturates me with bitterness. If it is a matter of power, behold, he is the mighty one. And if it is a matter of justice, who can make him testify? Though I am righteous, my mouth will condemn me. Though I am blameless, I will declare me, he will declare me perverse. I am blameless, I do not know my soul, I reject my life. It is all one, therefore I say, he consumes the blameless and the wicked. If the scourge puts to death suddenly, he mocks the despair of the innocent. The earth is given into the hand of the wicked. He covers the faces of its judges. If it is not he, then who is it? Now my days are swifter than a runner. They flee away. They do not see good. They sweep by like reed boats, like an eagle that swoops on its food. Though I say I will forget my musing, I will forsake my sad countenance and be cheerful. I am afraid of all my pains. I know that you will not acquit me. I am accounted wicked. Why then should I toil in vain? If I should wash myself, wash myself with snow and cleanse my hands with lye, yet you would plunge me into the pit, and my own clothes would abhor me. For he is not a man as I am, that I may answer him, that we may go to court for judgment together. There is no adjudicator between us who may lay his hand upon us both. Let him remove his rod from me, and let not dread of him terrify me. Then I would speak and not fear him. But I am not like that in myself. Chapter 10 My soul is loathed by my life. I will abandon all restraints in myself to my complaint. I will speak in the bitterness of my soul. I will say to God, do not account me as wicked. Let me know why you contend with me. It is good. Is it good to you that you oppress, that you reject the labor of your hands, and cause the counsel of the wicked to shine forth? Have you eyes of flesh, or do you see as a mortal man sees? Are your days as the days of a mortal man, or your years as man years, that you should seek for my guilt and search after my sin? According to your knowledge, I am indeed not wicked, yet there is no deliverer from your hand. Your hands fashioned and made me altogether." And would you swallow me up? Remember, remember now that you have made me as clay, and would you turn me into dust again? Did you not pour me out like milk, and curdle me like cheese? Clothe me with skin and flesh, and knit me together with bones and sinews? You have made alongside me life and loving kindness, and your care has kept my spirit. Yet these things you have concealed in your heart, I know that it, this is within you. If I sin, then you would take note of me, and would not acquit me of my guilt. If I am wicked, woe to me. And if I am righteous, I dare not lift up my head. I am sated with disgrace, so see my misery. Should my head be set on high, you would hunt me like a lion, and again you would show your wonders against me. You renew your witness against me and increase your vexation toward me. Hardship after hardship is with me. 
Why then have you brought me out of the womb? Would that I had breathed my last, and no eye had seen me. I should have been as though I had not been, carried from womb to tomb. Would he not cease for a few of my days, withdraw from me that I may have a little cheer? Before I go, and I shall not return, to the land of darkness and shadow of death, the land of utter gloom as the thick darkness itself, of the shadow of death without order, and what which shines as the thick darkness. Chapter 11 Then Zophar the Namathite answered and said, Shall a multitude of words go unanswered, and a man of lips be in the right? Shall your, shall your boast silence men, and shall you mock and none rebuke? You have said, My learning is pure, and I am innocent in your eyes. But would that God might speak and open his lips against you, and tell you the secrets of wisdom. For sound wisdom has two sides. Know, then, that God forgets a part of your iniquity. Can you find the depths of God? Can you find the limits of the Almighty? They are high as the heavens, what can you do? Deeper than Sheol, what can you know? It, its measure is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. If he sweeps by or shuts up or calls an assembly, who can turn him around? For he knows worthless men and sees wickedness. So he will not, so he will not carefully, so will he not carefully consider it. Yet an empty-headed man will obtain a heart of wisdom, and the foal of a wild donkey is born a man. If you would set your heart right and spread out your hand to him, if wickedness is in your hand, put it far away, and do not let unrighteousness dwell in your tents. Then indeed you could lift up your face without moral defect, and you would be steadfast and not fear. For you would forget your trouble as waters that pass by, so you would remember it. And your lifetime would arise brighter than noonday. Darkness would be like the morning. Then you would trust because there is hope, and you would search around and rest securely. You would lie down and none would make you tremble, and many would entreat your favor. But the eyes of the wicked will come to an end, and escape will perish from them, and their hope is the expiring of their soul. And now Revelation chapter 12. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And she was with child, and she cried out, being in labor and in pain, to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, and behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his heads were seven diadems. And his tail swept away a third of the stars of heaven, and threw them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth, so that when she gave birth he might devour her child. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and to his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God, so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels waged war, and they were not strong enough, and there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. And the great dragon was thrown down, the serpent of old, who is called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. 
he was thrown down to the earth, and his angels were thrown down with him. Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren has been thrown down, he who accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him because of the blood of the Lamb and because of the word of their witness. And they did not love their life even to death. For this reason rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has come down to you, having great wrath, knowing that he has only a short time. And when the dragon saw that he was thrown down to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the two wings of the great eagle were given to the woman, so that she could fly into the wilderness to her place, where she was nourished for a time, times, and half a time from the presence of the serpent. And the serpent poured, poured water like a river out of its mouth after the woman, so that he might cause her to be swept away with the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and drank up the river, which the dragon poured out of its mouth. So the dragon was enraged with the woman and went off to make war with the rest of her seed, who keep the commandments of God and have the witness of Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. And now the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. And now the collect for grace. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power, and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings may be ordered by thy governance to do always that is righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. All right, folks, that is Squirrel Chatter for today. We have read the scriptures. We have talked about certain topics. And now it's time to enter into the weekend. So... Make sure you get yourself to church on Sunday because you do not want to forsake the gathering together of the saints. Church is essential, and it is essential that Christians be at church, gather with the church. Folks, do the things you ought to do. Don't do the things you ought not do. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of the Lord. We'll see you here on Monday for another episode of Squirrel Chatter. Take care. God bless. See you after church. Squirrel Chatter is recorded in front of a live studio hamster.